You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. All right, let's get to it. Welcome back to another episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. We're going AEW heavy in this episode. We ain't talking about WWE, NXT, New Japan Pro Wrestling. We'll save that for another episode coming out. It's a doubleheader this week because I have returning a uh, good friend of mine, returning back to the podcast, my good friend Nate. How you doing, Nate? Very, very nice to be back on the show. We, it, we're running the gauntlet right now. We have tried for an hour to get this thing running. We are running through lava. Oh, There's rocks coming at us. And so we're just many, like, let's just start now. So many technical difficulties. It's as if nobody wants us to he- the, to do this. But we kept powering through. You had to travel to your father's house to get a better internet connection. <laughs> I, I had to traverse the plains to the mystical land of Bordentown, New Jersey. To I've get a stable been, internet connection. I've been battling with my microphone issues with getting a good sound quality. Finally did that after like 20 minutes. But we're finally here. So anyway, we're going to be... This is a very this is an AEW exclusive episode. We're going to talk a little, little bit of what happened on last night's Dynamite at the time of this recording. And the special edition of this episode is that... Uh, the special thing about it is that we're having a top 10... Best AEW matches in its history. AEW's been around for a little over a year now since, since uh, you know, since Double or Nothing last year, having their first show. And this was a match that I, um, a match, a uh, list I really wanted to do. And I'm glad Nate could do it because he pretty much, you pretty much exclusively watch AEW. Yeah, in terms of wrestling, that's what I pay most attention to. I'll 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 catch little snippets of of Raw or SmackDown from time to time, and I'll watch a a pay per view if I feel it deserves some attention. But AEW is my main focus, just because there's so much, and I feel like AEW is is just it's a good program. It's it's fun. It's entertaining, and that's what I choose to pay attention to. So that's what that's what you got me for. Well, yeah, I mean. Um... For those who don't remember, Nate uh, joined me a few months back when we uh, we discussed the horrible Saudi Arabia show when Goldberg beat the Fiend. But we did Revolution, <laughs> we did Revolution uh, predictions, and um, I think as far so far, it's you you could consider it. It's arguably you could consider that show of the year as far as wrestling goes so far. Yeah, I would say it's been a short year thus far, but nothing from wrestlemania really really stacked up even even double or nothing it was good but revolution might be the best aew pay-per-view so far either that or full gear but we'll get into that yeah um it was uh, i mean i i enjoyed mania this year and i enjoyed uh, nxt takeover portland that's up there with uh with show of the year but anyway here to talk about aew uh we're gonna go a little bit over what happened on uh last night's dynamite the night of june 6th so, we kick things off. FTR have their debut tag team match against Butcher and the Blade. I love that they came out in the the truck that they drove to the ring when they first debuted two weeks ago. And they're looking... They just look... Hap- not just happy to be there in the sense of like, oh, I'm so happy to be here. That stupid like babyface character thing. But you can see they're they're having fun. 
they're they get to do what they want as far as tag team wrestling goes. Uh, and the match between them, Butcher and the Blade, was actually a pretty decent, really good tag match for TV. I really enjoyed it. Um, not only did FTR look really good in the match, uh, highlighting what they can do, but Butcher and Blade uh, had a great showing in this as well. Um, I know that you missed most of Dynamite last night, Nate, but... Um, but how do you how do you feel about FTR the new uh, Cash Wheeler and Dax Hardwood being here now in AEW? Well, like you like you mentioned, the entirety of the match last night. But given everything they've said in interviews, everything they've they've posted on social media leading up to this event, you could tell they look a lot more free. They look a, like they're having a lot more fun. They feel a lot. They they look a lot more relaxed. Um, the 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 guys at AEW have seemed to taken them in. They're joining a division that is so unbelievably crazy stacked that you that you shove FTR in there and all of a sudden it becomes like it, it makes if AEW wasn't must watch wrestling week to week now, it absolutely is now given this addition and I I think they're absolutely going to kill it. It I've been saying for for months and months and months that it is the best tag division in all of pro wrestling right now like that's that's probably its main focus because most wrestling companies don't make tag team wrestling their focus at, but a lot of wrestling companies have been able to uh, do well with tag team wrestling in certain points even though WWE doesn't really uh, make it of importance but it's shown in the past that they're that if you invest in it, it can be really good. Hence, with you watch the matches with the new with the new day and the Usos that happened a few years ago. Uh, when you watch stuff like the Hardys, Edge and Christian, and the Dudley Boys, that amazing uh, rivalry that went on for a long uh, for like it was at two WrestleManias, I believe, and then uh, a SummerSlam. Um, you know, the, there's plenty of ta- tag teams, great tag teams that came out of the WWE, but as of late, it's not been a main focus. But like you said, the tag division, if it wasn't already stacked, it's immensely stacked. You have FTR now. You have the Young Bucks, Santana and Ortiz, uh, the Best Friends, Private Party, SCU, uh, even Les Sex Gods with Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. They're a great tag team. You've got uh, Butcher and the Blade. Uh, There's so many that I'm I'm forgetting right now, but uh, uh, Jurassic Express. Did Did you even mention the champions? Omega and Page. I know. I forget about that. <laughs> I, I because I've always, I have always viewed them as single stars. But there's, they are so great as a tag team. Uh, Lucha Brothers too. Pentagon and Phoenix. Again, great tag team. So, again, if you're a tag team in, if you're an indie tag team, you want to be in in AEW. You want to be in AEW because even though Butcher and the Blade haven't been used too well, not to say that they've dropped the ball with them or anything. But even though they haven't been featured as much, they still looked really great in this match. But it's not really necessarily this match that I really, really like. What I really enjoyed is what happened afterwards. What happened after the match, Tony Schiavone's in the ring with FTR. And in the middle of it, as they're, as they're talking about, you know, being here, being, you know, now this division's the best tag, tag, tag division because we're here. Here come the Young Bucks. Here come Matt and Nick Jackson. Matt Jackson has a microphone in his hand. He's like, listen, you know, we didn't want to come out here to start any trouble or anything. We, First of all, we just want to introduce ourselves. And 
first. That was a great match. That was really great. I mean, that was a lot of fun to watch in the back. But here's something you need to know. My name is Matt Jackson. This is my brother, Nick. We have been carrying tag team wrestling for the past 15 years. And we are the best tag team in AEW. Nate, how familiar are you with the story between FTR and the Young Bucks? Gonna be honest, aside from they had some matches of some kind in Japan zero. at some point, so zero. It, basically nothing. Zero. They've had zero matches. I'll oh, give you really. I'll, I'll give you a brief little history as to how this all started, and for those of you who don't know, in being the elites, kind of its heyday, in the early times of being the elite. There was, at one point in 2017, the Young Bucks were on fire in New Japan and, and Ring of Honor. The Revival, as FTR were known, were blowing up in NXT. They were having those great series of matches with Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano, DIY versus The Revival. If you haven't seen those matches, go on the network and watch them. They're absolutely incredible. And the Young Bucks are killing it, the tag division, on the Indies, Ring of Honor, and New Japan, like I said. So, Cody Rhodes on being the elite and here comes my one the one f-bomb rule randomly he would just say fuck the revival Ran- <laughs> random random things he would just say it for random random stuff um and he explained that in an interview i believe with sam roberts and sam roberts said you know where does where is this coming from he's like you know, a lot of people will say that they are the best tag team in the world, and I give them credit. They're they're great, great team. They put on really great matches. They're great old school heels. But he's like, but I'm, I'm, I'm traveling with Matt and Nick every day, and I'm watching their matches, and they're the best tag matches I've ever seen, and they are the best tag team in the world. They've been proving it, and he mentions how he's seen some. He's he had watched their stuff when he was still in WWE, so. It all stemmed from being the elite, and as time went on, uh, they eventually stopped saying using the F word, and they just said FTR, and it became more gags and everything, and then the revival, eventually, they acknowledged it on Twitter, and they kind of got into a bit of a feud, Everyone's just and, and fans all over the world, they're just like, no, the Young Bucks the best tag team in the world, the Revival's the best tag team in the world, it was this building feud, and everyone's just like, imagine if this happened, imagine if this match actually happened, um, but we never really thought of anything, because there was going to be no payoff, that's when the Revival started putting FTR on their, uh, on their gear, they went from, you know, F the Revival to Forever the Revival. So it's been stemming for a long time. And before AEW happened, uh, former Scott Dawson, uh, Dax Harwood said, one day we will wrestle the, the Young Bucks and everyone will rejoice. Remember this tweet. Matt Jackson tweeted saying, one day we will wrestle the Revival everyone would, and everyone will rejoice. Remember this tweet. And last night on Instagram, he said, one day we will rest, we're going to wrestle FTR. Everyone will rejo- rejoice. Remember this post. So, bit of a long story there, but there's Nate, the Young Bucks and the and FTR have never touched. They have never had a match. They're considered to be the two best tag teams in the world, and now they're in the same promotion, 
they're in a promotion where tag team wrestling is being one of the major focal points, and it's a match that fans have been wanting for years. Put CJ Palmisano on NPR because that was an that was an amazing story. Very well said, <laughs> very insightful, very the voice of a young Morgan Freeman. Oh, thank you. I don't know if I could. I'll take a compliment of Morgan. I'll take the compliment, but I'm definitely not a Morgan Freeman's level. But yeah, that's the man, that's the man. I, is I seriously saint. had no idea about that. Yeah, it's um, that. That's where it all stemmed from. Um, I mean, I wish what you said was true. I wish those matches actually happened. I wish the revival went to Japan when the Young Bucks were still in New Japan because that would have been amazing. But now, it's really going to be really good. Um, so anyway, and then. Uh, Butcher and the Blade to come in. They're going to attack him again. FTR attack, but try to get Butcher and the Blade, but they were getting the best of him. And then Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page come out to help uh, help in the brawl. Um, they have tag team champions. That's four members of the, of the elite right there. FTR kind of walk away. Um, I would say, Nate, how soon do you think, or how long do you think we're going to wait until we see this eventual, uh, these two eventual tag teams uh, come to blows? Um, I, I don't think it's going to be as cl- as quickly as everybody thinks it's going to be because I have obviously, you know, with everything you've been saying, like, oh my God, it's finally going to happen. It's finally going to happen. And AEW is like, we know, we know this is what you're looking for. We know you want it. We're going to, we're going to spoon, we're going to not spoon feed it to you, but we're just, we're going to drip it. We're going to, we're going to take it steady. We're going to drip it because if you, if you blow the payoff right away, it's going to be kind of crappy at the end because after that happens, it's like, oh, well, now FTR is just a part of AEW, whatever. So I, I at the end of that uh, brawl last night, I think you mentioned it was like uh, Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian came out. Um, Hang uh, Omega and Page came out. So maybe they have like, I don't know, some kind of – I don't think they're going to have a four-way tag match at Fighter Fest. But they like, hey, like fight these guys in order well, to I- fight us. Maybe the Young Bucks throw it down some kind of, you know, gauntlet to say, like, hey, you want to fight us? Come beat these guys. Prove yourself. I know that currently the best friends are the number one t- uh, contenders for the tag titles. And next week, Jericho and Gav- and Sammy Guevara are going to be facing them for the spots. And if they win, they'll be facing Paige and Omega at Fighter Fest for the tag titles. I don't really see that happening. We'll get to Sammy Guevara in the inner circle in a little bit. But um, what I see, what I can see happening, is I can see a triple threat tag match happening between Omega and Page, the Young Bucks, and FTR. I can see FTR winning the tag titles in that scenario, getting the tag titles off of Omega and Page, and then moving them on to you know back to being singles guys. As great as they are in the tag division, Omega and Hangman Page need to be on their own. And, and then that's that, kind of the situation with them. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's just kind of the no, situation with Paige and Omega. Is like, yeah, they're singles guys, but they're kind of like, I don't want to say trapped, but they're just kind of just like obligated to these belts over here that they've held for a long time at this point. Um, and and I think both of them want to get back to singles action too because they I I want to see Paige and Omega back in the title picture again, especially with a new belt. So I I think what you're saying. Is, is very much a possibility, like a three-way tag match, because it wouldn't make sense to them for them to just lose to the Young Bucks when they've already beaten them at, at Revolution. So they got to put them on FTR some way, somehow, whatever that's way. What they I, just- that's what I think. I think they're going to go to. I think FTR going to be the ones to beat Omega and Page. I don't know how long they're going to wait to do that. 
I mean, it's possible they could do that triple threat tag match and that and for the titles, and then they win them there. Or we, they, Omega and Page will hold on to the tag straps a little while longer. The Revival will beat the Young Bucks, and the first match they do is without the tag titles, because that's the thing, is that the Revival versus the Young Bucks is a big enough tag match where it doesn't need the tag belts. Like, the first match that- they can doesn't need the tag belts. No, I agree. It, it doesn't need the tag belts. If you if you put the tag belts in the picture, that becomes like a pay-per-view main event. Does it not? Yeah. No, absolutely. I think we could probably see, I'll probably guess that maybe at All Out we'll see, uh, FT, I almost said the Revival, FTR and the Young Bucks <laughs> at All Out. And I can, I, I'm not exactly sure who will win that match, but... I would say probably FTR, and then they'll beat the they'll win the tag titles, and then maybe I think maybe they're gonna try and milk this for the tag straps with those two teams when crowds can kind of start coming back. Because I think that's a match they're gonna want real fans in attendance for. Yeah, the the one thing I'm afraid of with this with this rivalry is that like I'm afraid it'll turn into like a new day uso situation where they they have so many good matches at the start and then it just kind of runs on forever and ever and ever and i'm just trying to think of a, a good way to sort of wrap up this situation and and there's no real good way to do it that we know of yet we're just kind of going to kind of have to see what plays out you know i well with the new day and the usos i really enjoyed that tag tag title feud i didn't get tired of any match they had. Um, but I think with that, they realized that, yes, the feud is great, but they took breaks in between with those two teams because, I mean, I was at one of their, the one of the tag matches they had, SummerSlam 2017. They're on the pre-show, and they had an amazing match that should have been, that they, like, they should have been on the main card. That's how great this match was. Um, but I feel like... AEW have been doing well with their booking. Uh, for the most part, it's it's very very well done. Not ever, I mean it's not perfect. No booking is going to be perfect, but I feel like they will be able to figure out a way for us to, as the fans, to want more when they are done feuding at the moment. I feel like they will make us like every time we see the Young Bucks and FTR. We're gonna be like if we have an opportunity to go see it in our in a city near us, we'll buy tickets, or if it's a pay per view, we'll buy it. So, or on free TV, we'll we'll tune in. So, it's money that's waiting to be spent for the fans, and um, yeah, I think they'll be able to entice us in every way possible. Just drip it, just drip by drip. They, I, I, I don't doubt. AEW will will do this correctly. Correctly, I'll say. I think they will do things correctly. Um, I'll go through a few other things that happened on the show. Uh, apparently, QT Marshall is dating the bunny. I don't know when the hell that happened. But he's is, also she, been... is she not part of the Butcher and the Blade situation evidently, anymore? Evidently not. Like I, I mean, I'm just recently catching up on AEW. I've mentioned on the podcast that I've been very behind in the past number of months, but I've caught up with what kind of like what's going on. But I don't know when this happened. I really don't. Um, but QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes are a tag team. Um, I I don't know. I, 
Yeah, I feel like, I'm not crazy I feel, about. I'm not crazy about them either. I feel like this is gonna be like a betrayal, and maybe it'll lead to a rivalry with Butcher and the Blade. I don't. I don't even know when she like disbanded from them. I have no idea. Truth be told, I don't really know either. <laughs> I, 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 I haven't. I haven't been an adamant viewer, and I, I haven't seen when that happened. Because Butcher and the Blade are typically like one of those teams that that are on the back burner. Um, I do like the name The Natural Nightmares, though. I think that's a really good name for a tag team. I think that's a good. Uh, that's a good name for a tag team. But I wish that was Cody and Dustin's tag team name. Ah, well, what are you gonna do? The Natural Nightmares is good. The Rhodes Brothers is good too. They can they can do that and they can copyright that. The Rhodes family is better. Yeah. Anyway, um, the next thing that happened, another tag match between Penelope, Penelope Ford and Nyla Rose. They beat Ikaro Shida and Chris Statlander with some help from Kip Sabian. Um, I remember seeing Penelope Ford and Kip Sabian together, and it took me some time to get behind them because I because someone who's like. If you followed Joey Janela, if you followed Joey Janela's indie career, Penelope Ford was always with him. They dated in real life, and now she's with Kip Sabian in real life. So it took some time to progress. I'm like, ah, I'm used to seeing her with Janela, but granted, I really enjoy uh, them working together. Penelope Ford for me has improved a bit. We've talked about the women's division at the time, but um, but um. It's a shame that Britt Baker is injured right now because I feel like they were going to go with her and Sheeta. Yeah, I think that's that's you know in slight conversations we've had prior to this, we were we were talking about the possibility of Britt Baker, and she was supposed to have a match at uh, at Double or Nothing, if, against, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, against Chris Statlander, and then Penelope before was the one who took her place, and I, I had thought that you know it was oh there goes my phone I dropped it, um I had thought well that. Done. Statlander uh, was going to lose to because I thought it was going to be Britt Baker that that wins, and then it would be Hikaru Shida that goes on uh, to win the title, and then those two can feud because they had a pretty good match uh, a few months ago during uh, when they were ta- when they taped a whole bunch of episodes a while back. Oh man, that match would kick so much ass. I mean, Britt Baker like she she legit like was bloody in I don't know if like in her mouth or her nose or what but she like she looked like a friggin champ because uh, those two work really well together and I think it I think Britt Baker and Nakara Shida can have a great series of matches and really elevate the women's division yeah agree 100% um, but the remember the main thing that's great about Britt Baker is just her character work you know her character, oh yeah I- that just to me she is the women's division it's about her. I, I think that I think that role has kind of evolved a little bit. I think Nyla, I, I, while Nyla Rose hasn't had a great run, I think she's sort of legitimized herself a little bit. Um, you know, obviously she's a beast, but Britt Baker, every time she, you know, she talks with Tony Schiavone or brings him a coffee, you, you, in a similar vein to the way MJF kind of demands attention on the screen, Britt Baker is the exact same way. Absolutely, I love the chemistry between her and Schiavone. It's great. Um. But it's great that she's still able to um, get get herself over, capitalize on the TV time while she's injured. So it's a testament. I mean, Britt Baker is going to be... I mean, she's already great, but she's going to have a great, great career overall. 
Uh, let's see what else happened on Dynamite this week. Try and skip through some of these things that are not as important. But I, we had to talk about Britt Baker a little bit because you and I are big fans of her. Oh, yeah. Um, Darby Allen got to go see Tony Hawk in his, uh, in his warehouse, which is pretty cool. That was one of the things I missed. That was one of the things, like, I saw clips of Darby Allen and uh, Tony Hawk was added at, uh, like, added well, as I, in the at symbol I, on Twitter. And I was just like, <laughs> what is this about? I, I listened to him on the Unrestricted podcast and he talked about that. He, like, he, apparently Darby Allen had a clip uh, that went viral before he made it pretty big on YouTube. On uh, wrestling, I think he was starting to be making big on wrestling. He did like a crazy stunt on a skateboard, and Tony Hawk had reached out to him and wanted to buy the clip from him and put it in a, in a compilation on YouTube. And then they got to talking, and I think like his skateboard company is working on making skateboards for Darby Allen in the shape of a coffin. Oh, that's awesome! It is. I need one of those. I don't even. I don't even skateboard, and I need one of those. <laughs> Yeah, so so yeah, um, that's pretty cool. I, I've mentioned like a million times how much of a big fan I am of Darby Allen. And I think he is like he's the future of the of the division of the of of the whole company. It's it's Darby Allen. He he's the best. I think Cody himself has said that too, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean Cody, uh, he's really. I mean, he's the one who really got behind Darby Allen when he gave him that match at Fighter Fest, and he, like Darby's talked about like how much he appreciates uh guys like Cody and Jericho who wanted to work with them because it's like they have to want to work with you like it's not like you just tell Cody and Jericho like hey you're gonna uh, you're gonna work Darby Allen they can easily say no they'd have to like say like you know I want to work this kid and speaking of Chris Jericho he appears to be in a feud with your favorite wrestler right now Orange Cassidy dude if you had told me Six months ago, that Orange Cassidy is going to be feuding with Chris Jericho. I would have slapped you upside the head. But here we are. You wouldn't have think it's a tiny possibility because they're in the same wrestling company? Well, yes yes and no. But, like, you think about what Orange Cassidy was. Like Six months ago. Yeah. Like, six, six months ago, like, you know, two wrestlers would be fighting and Orange Cassidy would just be standing there watching. He he was he was something to laugh at, but people liked him. He was crazy he was always crazy over and he was always going to be crazy over, but I think after that match at Revolution, uh which we'll get to, <laughs> um <laughs> I think people were like, "Oh, he can actually be more than just a thing to laugh at." Like he's this guy's legit. <laughs> like that I, that was that was the impression that I had. I think Orange Cassidy is one of, if not the smartest man in pro wrestling. The guy hardly does anything, and he gets massive reactions. Like when crowds are still happening in wrestling, like in that because I mean, look at look at him. I mean, people will start chanting, "Holy shit, this is awesome!" When he's not even doing anything, <laughs> the the guy has perfected comedy wrestling. He can he can damn well go if he wants to, and that's the whole thing. It's like it's the hook of is Darby gonna tr- uh, Darby is Orange gonna try? Are we gonna see him try? And when Orange Cassidy tries, he's a damn good pro wrestler. And it's I love it. I love seeing stuff like that. Like that's when you truly have the crowd when you don't have to do so much, and they're already 
cheering for you and they're going ape shit for you, you've got it. You're over. I mean, you look at some of the moments over the years with these big name matches. Like one that comes to mind is Rock Hogan in WrestleMania 18. The crowd is going absolutely batshit crazy for Rock and Hogan. This match is actually happening. Two icons, two legends of their generations. And I may have quoted Jim Ross in that. I'm not sure. But but the thing is, they're going crazy for this match. And the guys haven't even touched yet. They're just soaking it all in. Orange Cassidy comes out and he's about to... Before he even does anything, the crowd is going crazy. And it's not like he does these big crazy like these big moves that signature moves that uh that Hogan and Rock have. He's just hardly doing. He puts his hands in his in his freaking pockets and he just kind of like lazily kicks you. Like one of my favorite things, Darby <laughs> Allen. I'm sorry, I keep saying Darby Allen. One of my favorite things that Orange Cassidy did a double or nothing when it was his turn to come out for the ladder match. He was trying to reach for the the uh, the casino chip without putting up the ladder. He stood on a ladder that was on the floor, and he's like, Ugh. He's like oh, shit, I can't reach it. Like, that's how great he is. <laughs> I mean, it also helps that he's a good-looking guy and an athletic, uh, an athletic specimen. It would, they would not have the same effect if it, if it was some big chungus out there wearing stonewashed denim and sunglasses. But <laughs> exactly. I, it, exactly, exactly what you're saying. It's just like he's just – some people are born with that, man. He's just got that, you know? He does. He doesn't have to do anything. It, and a lot of times, a lot of people may, may fans may criticize wrestlers saying like, oh, they didn't do this, they didn't do that. You know, they never won a title, they never, uh, never won a, a world title, whatever. And as I've gotten older as a fan, I've realized it's not about whether or not you win in the, champ- the world championship or a championship. Obviously, as a wrestler, that's your goal. But that's what you strive for. But the more, most important thing is you've got to get over you got to get over, and then championship opportunities and big main event matches will happen. Whether or not they put the title that, on you is up to the booker. And, and that's your job as a wrestler at the end of the day. You know, you're just, uh, just if, if the crowd loves you, just just get over. And you, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, if people like Jim Cornette or these old heads <laughs> like Jerry Lawler don't like you. You know, it's sports entertainment. You're out there to entertain. As my voice cracks, you know, and it's if good. <laughs> people just if people just like you, then that's you know it's it's not fine. really up to the booker at that point. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. Once you're over, you're over. And if people want to like you or hate you or whatever, it doesn't matter. If you're if you're over in the right way, Orange Cassidy's a babyface. He's over as a babyface. MJF is a heel. He's over as a heel. It's not the opposite where people are like cheering for MJF in the crowd or they're booing Orange Cassidy because they think it's stupid. No, people legitimately love it. But would you say that we're probably going to get Jericho and, and Cassidy at uh, at one of the Fighter Fest shows? I mean, it's certainly looking that way. When Jericho hits you with uh, a bag of uh, Florida oranges, it looks like you're going to have a match with him. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to be honest, I don't. Do I see Cassidy winning against Jericho? And that's the problem with Orange Cassidy is like whoever – Orange Cassidy is starting to become a little bit more legitimate as an in-ring wrestler. Mm. But no if no matter who he beats, the loser is going to look somewhat silly. And it's about whether or not Jericho wants to look silly, which I do believe he's willing to do. Oh, he's but, been will- – he's willing to look silly like for anything. Like – 
that's Jericho's thing. He's willing to look to make when he's a heel to make an ass out of himself. So, I mean, in a way, like Orange Cassidy is the one wrestler who can just lose all the time and it won't hurt him. Because again, we just talked about what his gimmick is and what 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 his character is. Because eventually when he does win a big singles match, like you said, it is going to make that person look ridiculous. And if it and it should be a, like a smarmy, really like hate detestable heel, and it should live with that heel and just make them look stupid. I think a win over Chris Jericho for Orange Orange Cassidy would be great, but I don't know if they'll do it because I think they're kind of they're they're teasing a match between Jericho and Mike Tyson. That would be dumb. That would be stupid. I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know if you saw the the pull apart brawl they had. Um, honestly, I think it's interesting, but um, but we'll have to see. I I, I think they're going to try and do something for All Out because they can't just not have that payoff or anything. We'll try and get through quickly what else happened through uh, the rest of Dynamite. Uh, one thing that's really uh, worth noting is that uh, Colt Cabana. Real quickly, we'll touch on this. Colt Cabana. It appears he might be joining the Dark Order. It does look, th- does look does look that you, way, doesn't it? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, he um, the the Dark Order needs something. You know, they got Brody Lee. Brody Lee lost, so it's okay. Where do they go from here? They need to they need to gain more members. They need to they need to do something. Cole Cabana is a name. I feel like Cole Cabana would would garner a little more attention. I, I'm I'm just afraid that just Cole Cabana is going to become another one of the lackeys or be on like Evil Uno's level. I don't want that for him. I want something a little bit better. Maybe not be Brody Lee's protege, but there there is potential there. But there's also just as easily a potential to just kind of screw Cole Cabana up. You know. I think if they seriously want to make Cabana one of the members of the Dark Order, I feel like. And if they want to make the Dark Order feel important, they're going to have to get some names like Colt Cabana or something if they can't necessarily get the other guys over, which in a faction that you're supposed to do, get all the, all the younger guys over and put them over and make them bigger stars. I mean, because I, I feel like the one person people care about in the Dark Order is Brody Lee, the exalted one. Yes, we have Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. They were a good uh, tag team. But the Dark Order has finally made sense because a year ago it didn't make sense at all. Now they are an established faction and Brody Lee is doing what Bray Wyatt couldn't do in WWE and actually have a cult that's, that gains new members. The Wyatt family <laughs> the Wyatt family would gain new members, but eventually they'd leave. You know, Braun Strowman. And then you know Harper or, or Strowman or Rowan would be injured at some point. You know you had John, yeah, uh, not John Cena. We had Randy Orton in there for a bit. Harper's the one who's like, he, he's, he. I don't trust him. He can't be one of us. And then you know, lo and behold, you couldn't trust Randy Orton. And then you had Daniel Bryan in there. He was in there for about a couple weeks. So the Dark Order feels like a real cult and it feels legitimate. It could very well be that Cole Cabana joins the Dark Order, or it could just be like you know. It, 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 I could see him joining the Dark Order and it could build a match between Brody Lee and Cole Cabana. That's what I see happening. I, w- I could, I would watch that. 
I would I would look forward to that on a pay per view. Like you said, Cole Cabana is a big name, but do you see maybe the possibility of getting other potential big indie names that AEW has like in the Dark Order? Because a while ago it was teased that possibly Christopher Daniels could have joined the Dark Order. Yeah, that's what I thought was going to happen. Um, I think Darby Allen's a little bit too over as a babyface to to join the Dark Order, even though he has sort of that like dark, mysterious vibe that that mm-hmm. they would kind of go for. Um, in terms of I don't want to say lower level people, but like smaller names uh, that could still, uh, to be honest, I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head that would, that would, that I could see like, Oh, they would be great in the dark order, you know? And that's not necessarily a bad thing because that means a lot of the roster are better in their own role that they currently have, whether they be a single star or a tag team or a faction, it's better that they are the way they are at the moment. Um, I could still see Christopher Daniels go and do it. There was at one point where people thought it was going to be Christopher Daniels who, who was the exalted one. Um, but I think this will more likely lead to a match between Brody Lee and uh, <clears throat> uh, Cole Cabana. Um, get through a few other things that happened on Dynamite. We had uh, a promo package of Joey Janela apparently finding himself. He was drinking at a bar, and he's like, you know, a year ago, I was, a few years ago, I was the hottest name in professional wrestling, and now I was in a main event with John Moxley at a pay-per-view, and now I'm hardly doing anything. Then Sonny Kiss finds him, and Sonny Kiss is in this really nice, I think it's a Porsche, or a Porsche, whatever. Uh, he's like, hey, hey, Joey, boo, what you been doing? Like, I've been drinking, Sonny. He's like, I can see that, and they get in the car, and apparently there's going to be some kind of alliance formed with Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela. So interesting to see what's going to happen there. I I did like that from Joey Janela because, like, you know, I didn't follow him in his indie days, and when I started to pick up uh, in AEW, when I really started to follow it, Joey Janela was just kind of like a nobody, and my dad doesn't like him, and he has a kind of, you know, some... Well, Janela's from Jersey. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, like early in the card, back of the card level mid-card? matches, mid card, okay. some mid card matches, and he would just kind of just be there, you know. And and yeah. it's 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 good self awareness because Janela was a huge name in the indies to a point where like you know <laughs> when he signed to AEW, I'm like, oh, he's gonna be huge, he's gonna be a huge star. But unfortunately, it hasn't gone that way entirely for Janela. But hopefully that changes because I do think Joey Janela can be a very important asset to AEW. Um, We'll wrap up with these two things. Um, We'll get more in depth with this next thing. So what do you think about this, Nate? Apparently there's, there's strong hints that there's tension between Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho to the point where Matt Hardy is trying to tell him you need to stop being around this man. But what's also funny is that he was V1 Matt Hardy talking to him. Then he was Broken Matt Hardy, which Damascus, Broken Matt Hardy hates Sammy Guevara, wants to kill him. And then the, he was Team Extreme Matt Hardy with Private Party later in the night. <laughs> so it's doofy. It. I love it. I love the the, the ridiculous per- person split personality character of Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy is absolutely brilliant. And I don't get how WWE could have just let him go. 
Because uh, Vince but... doesn't get it, man. He just doesn't get it. No, he doesn't. I mean, the guy is massively brilliant. And it's proven with his broken uh, Matt Hardy stuff in Impact TNA. Uh, and the Woken stuff was just a watered-down version of it. Sure, it had some had some fun moments, but it didn't really reach its full potential in WWE. Um, as much as I'm interested in this feud between Sammy Guevara and and uh, Matt Hardy, where do you? How long do you see this going on? Because I really do think this is going because they've they've mentioned it in commentary. You know, uh, Sammy Guevara didn't come out for the Inner Circle with their match with Best Friends. Uh, Jericho had attacked Orange Cassidy after the match, and nobody was there for Sammy Guevara's match. And there's been subtle hints here and there about Sammy Guevara's placement in in Inner Circle. And, so and that's really it's really interesting. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off again. No, I go hate ahead. Discord. No, um, it's because it, when you think about at least when I think about the Inner Circle, obviously you know Chris Jericho is the first one, but the next one to to come up is Sammy Guevara. He's like the next person you think about. When you think of the inner circle, and the inner circle has been going a long time now. They've gained a couple of members, Santana Ortiz, Jake Hager, uh, Jeff Cobb for a second. What happened to him? I miss him. Uh, Jeff Cobb uh, was in AEW for a cup of coffee. They tried to get him in and put some feelers out there. But uh, at the time, you know, he just wanted to be a free agent and he still wanted to work with New Japan Ring of Honor. Um, I still think it's a possibility we could still see Jeff Cobb in AEW, but that's up to him. Whatever the case, um, if Sammy Sammy Guevara's, you know, one one of the the main pillars of that inner circle dynamic, you know, he's he's a great heel. He's great on the mic. He's very he's a very good technical in ring performer. And if if you break up that dynamic, that you know that inner circle kind of disappears. That, that's that's what I feel. So if you put him in a match with Chris Jericho, I first of all love that idea. I would love to see that match. But what happens with the rest of the guys? You know, I it, it starts to make you think. Okay, let's look at these guys individually. Chris Jericho is Chris Jericho, obviously. Santana Ortiz, we can just throw onto another stacked AEW division, and Jake Hager's starting to make a, a name for himself too. He's got a match with Cody at Fighter Fest now, so it, it it becomes more and more believable that each one of these pieces could be fine. You know, so I, I think. I think that match becomes more and more a possibility the more you think about it. Real quickly, did you know that Jake Hager was in WWE? Yes, he was uh, Jack Swagger, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Jack Swagger. Yeah, okay. I just wanted to ask real quick. But, uh, but yeah, I agree with that 100%. Like, the whole point of a faction is to get one or more younger guys over. You look at Evolution, Triple H, that whole faction – the whole point of it was to get Randy Orton and, and Dave Batista over as the next big uh, stars in the company, and it worked. That's exactly what the stable was for. And you look at Jake Hager, he's been around. He doesn't really need any, like, putting over to be, make a big star. Santana and Ortiz, have, they've been wrestling as a tag team for years now. Chris Jericho, like you said, is Chris Jericho. Sammy Guevara is the guy in that group who will, who will eventually turn babyface will turn on Chris Jericho or Jericho in the inner circle will turn on him and that's the guy who he wants to, to get who wants to put over. Um, I was listening to or watching the Wrestle Talk podcast with uh, them talking about this and they feel like a lot of the Sammy Guevara, Chris Jericho uh, 
friendship and partnership is a lot like the Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho rivalry. Um, because as great as Sammy Guevara is, he works in the ring as in-ring styles. He can work really well as a babyface. We'll have to wait and see how well he does as far as doing babyface work, as like you know character stuff. But um, it's, I mean Sammy Guevara, Jer- Jericho has been out and said like AEW has one thing that WWE doesn't have. They don't have enough younger guys in their twenties who can carry on in the business for years to come. Because the guys mm-hmm. in their early to mid twenties, you've got. Jungle Boy, who's 22. Sammy Guevara, who I believe is 24. MJF, who's 24. Darby Allen is 27. Joey Janela is like 25, 26. Kip Sabian, I think, again, is in his mid-20s. That's like five or six guys right there. How old is Marco Stunt? Marco Stunt's got to be like in his early 20s as well. So All all, all those guys right there. With the exclusion of Marco Stunt. I don't think Marco Stunt is good. He plays his role <laughs> well, but I but I don't see him as like the top potential guy in AEW one day. Nothing against nah, Marco No, I was Stun. just I, curious about that. <laughs> I was just curious about that. <laughs> All right. I, I think he's funny, and I think he's great, and he fits his role perfectly. Like He reminds me so much of Spike Dudley, and I love Spike Dudley. But all those names I mentioned, like the Janellas, MJFs, Jungle Boys, and all that, those are guys who can carry the company when guys like Kenny Omega and Cody Rhodes and Hangman Adam Page well, Hangman Adam Page just tur- I think he's 29 I think he just turned 30 so you can throw him in that group too when you have more of the older guys I guess like because Omega's in his mid 30s Cody's in his mid 30s Pac's in his mid 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 to late 30s eventually those guys are going to want to take a rest so I think it's good that you build upon these younger guys because they'll be here for years to come. And then you keep building more, and that's how a wrestling company should be. You should, yes, use your top stars the right way, and obviously they're going to draw you in, you know, most of your fans. But you build upon these new stars to make them feel like a big deal. And that's one thing I think they're going to do with Sammy Guevara eventually with Chris Jericho. Uh, and finally, so to wrap, eloquently, so eloquently put, bro. You, you really, you, you are an expert at, at just like just the 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 surrounding methodology and ideology of what goes into a wrestling promotion. And it, it's you. it's like I can't put into words how fun it is to hear you talk about this. Thank you. Honestly, like a bit, just a dream job of mine would just to be like work for a company like Marvel or or wrestling or like. A company like AEW or work with NXT or something or like Ring of Honor or something because I would just have so much fun doing it like I am not like I don't think I'd be a wrestler but I but but doing cool shit and just like do like analyze stuff I don't know just but anyway I'm not gonna keep talking about myself here we're gonna talk about wrestling <laughs> thank you for putting me okay. over I, pre- I appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> anyway so the no the what closed the show was uh, a very well done match between uh, Mark Quinn of Private Party and Cody Rhodes, the new, the uh, TNT champion. Um, I had texted you when the match was about to start. Uh, I don't know when Private Party changed their theme song, but I hate it. Oh my god, is that Private Party? What, do, look, you may have been more in the. Do you know when that happened? When they changed no, it? No clue. No idea at all. 
Okay, because I remember their match with the Young Bucks in the tag title uh, tournament. Like, I remember, this is a private party, and you are all invited. Like, they were getting hyped up. I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, private party. Like, I was, I don't know. I liked their old tag team, their, their old finishing, damn it, their old entrance theme better. I don't like this new one. I really don't. Um, they just found some woman on the street just drunk out of her ass. She's like, hey, can you say, oh, is that private party into the microphone, please? And she just, wah, into the microphone. I don't know. Um, this match is pretty good. Um, I like Cody's role with the TNT Championship. I like that he's going to be using this every week to to highlight a younger guy. Uh, like I said with those guys earlier, like Jungle Boy and MJF and Darby Allen, you throw Mark Quinn in that equation, too, because I think Mark Quinn can be a huge star one day in AEW as a solo star. Um, yeah, I, I never talked to you about this, uh, but after after Cody won the TNT Championship at Double or Nothing, people on, on the internet were like, oh, this is just nepotism. Uh, Cody has to win. Yeah, uh, a lot of people were Cody. shitting on like, And, and oh, I was oh, like, Cody, I was Cody like, booked him. Sorry, Cody booked like, himself to Cody, win the belt. Yeah, like, well, he, he lost to Chris Jericho, and he lost to MJF. Like, what he's he can't he's got to put himself over at, at at some point you know this this is not a big deal i see what you're saying like i enjoy the role that cody's doing right now he's putting over not putting over but he's highlighting these younger guys like chris jericho was with with his match with uh matches like scorpio sky and uh darby allen yeah i don't, I don't think i don't think put himself over was the right term in that in that situation but uh you 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 get what I'm saying though. No, I do. I do get what you're saying, but that's the thing. Um, I think a lot of fans were ragging on that too much. Like, oh, Cody booked himself to win the title. Here's the thing. Yes, it would have been really great if Lance Archer won the TNT title and continued on this monster run. The thing is, when I look at like monster heel pushed guys, I see them winning the world title. Because eventually, because mm. here's the thing: eventually, the monster has to lose. Eventually, they have to be cleaned, uh, uh, get a clean loss, take a clean loss to somebody or something. They have to do something, or they lose a championship. I truly believe that if Lance Archer won the AEW championship first, lost it to somebody, and then eventually moved on the TNT title, I think that's fine. Um, but as far as the role Cody is going to be doing currently, he's going to be highlighting these guys and their skill. I like that a lot. And there was, and as you saw later on in the in the night, there was a big pull apart brawl. Uh, Santana Ortiz and Jake Hager had come out, and um, was Sammy Guevara there too? There's a fourth person, I think. For you know what? Now that you mention it, I don't remember if Guevara was there. I don't think he was. Um, yeah, because again, didn't, again. Talking about the highlight uh, private party. Jake Hager, R. Anderson, private party, Matt Hardy make the save. Actually, it may have just been Santana and Ortiz. I think it's just Sant- Yeah, and Hager. Oh, real quickly, uh John Moxley cut a promo on had cut a promo on Brian Cage, and Taz came out and didn't like his trash talking, then Brian Cage beat the shit out of him. Super stacked, roided 
Can we talk about how obvious oh. it is that Brian Cage is on the hugest gorilla steroids I've ever seen? <laughs> oh god. Um Yeah, let's briefly get into that. Um yeah, Brian Cage is massive, but he moves so fast. I love the dynamic between oh, yeah. him and Taz. I've always been a big fan of Taz, and I think he's one of the most underrated Mike guys ever. One of the most underrated like commentators ever. He's fantastic, and I like that they put him in a management position with a guy like Brian Cage. Um, I don't see Brian Cage winning the AEW title though. Just don't see no, it. No, no, it's, not yet. I mean, if they did, holy shit, that that's pushing pushing a new guy to the moon, giving him the strap. Because well, he was an he was an impact, was he not? He was an impact champion. Yeah, he was an impact forever. He was the impact champion. I don't know how many times he held it, but but he was there for a long time. Um. But uh, I have to say, I'm more interested in this feud than I am with Brody Lee and John Moxley, only because Brody Lee and John Moxley just felt a little bit rushed because Double, Double or Nothing was getting closer, and we weren't sure what was going to happen. So with this, there's a nice build to the rivalry. I agree. I agree. I think Brian Cage is a is a uh, a, w- a worthy opponent. No matter you know he is new, but he's intimidating enough to to feel like an adversary to a guy like John Moxley, a big dude with that big bubble gut. And Taz and Taz behind him, I agree, is is a great great idea. I never realized how like I knew he was a funny dude, but I never realized how good a trash talker he was. Oh, Taz is great. He's absolutely great. Um. I guess we'll kind of wrap up reviewing the episode and kind of give our thoughts as to where we think Fighter Fest is going to go real quickly. Obviously, we're going to get John Moxley versus Brian Cage because Cage won the casino ladder match and Tony Khan announced that. We're going to be getting um, either the Sex Gods or Best Friends against Omega and Page for the tag titles. And it, But I don't think that's going to happen. The Sex Gods, I think they're going to lose and we're, we're going to get Orange Cassidy and um and friggin' uh Chris Jericho, god damn it. Uh because remember Orange Cassidy is with the best friends. So I think he's gonna get mad and then they're gonna I think Orange Cassidy's just gonna do something. I think honestly, I think Cassidy will just stand there. He'll stand there in front of Jericho. He'll try to do like the little sloth kicks. But ten- I mean he's really not hitting him, so he's not gonna be a DQ. And then I think Beretta or uh or Chucky e. T is going to get the 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 roll up victory. So and Orange Cassidy is going to do what Orange Cassidy does, basically. Yes, and Chris Jericho will be livid because that's what Orange Cassidy does, <laughs> and, then, and then that will set up their match for Fighter Fest. Easy. Yeah, um, I like that they broke it up a little bit uh, into like kind of like big TV specials, you know, try and draw some ratings in. And also, yeah, getting... sorry, sorry, uh, go ahead. Just going to say that we're also getting Cody versus Jake Hager for the TNT title. That is going to be an interesting match. It is. I could see Jake Hager potentially winning that. I don't see Hager winning it. I mean, Cody just won the belt. And also, the match for me feels like too much of a WWE match. Like, I feel like I've seen that in WWE before when they're both like on like the lower mid card. But... I do think where they are now and with like limitly no restrictions in AEW, I think they could have a great match. I, I think it's more believable 
that Jake Haker could go up against Cody. I, I don't think I'm not sure if he's going to win, but the I, I believe it more. I believe he's going to be a challenge more than I did, you know, a couple weeks ago or before Revolution. Uh, no, I hope eventually uh, the one person I do want Cody to drop the title to. I want him to drop the title, Darby Allen. That's who I want. Yeah, Cody, that's because better. that's a better idea. <laughs> that story has been going on for so long, and you know the story of the match is like Darby can't. The story of of their feud is Darby can't beat Cody. At first, it was neither man could beat each other, but Cody's now beaten Darby twice, and it'll be sweet vi- victory and revenge for Darby to get to win the title off of Cody. But anyway, let's get to the main event of this podcast. You guys have been sitting here for nearly an hour now. Hopefully you can strap in for a little bit. I remember when I started doing these podcasts without Sean, these things started going on for like an hour and a half, two hours. And it looks like we're getting back into that territory. So now we're at our list. This is what we think, myself and Nate, are the top 10 best matches in AEW's short but illustrious history. Uh, I have a few honorable mentions that I'd like to mention real quick. Uh, first, I'd like to say one match I really enjoyed was Hangman Adam Page versus Pack at a episode of Dynamite. Chris Jericho versus Scorpio Sky for the AEW title on an episode of Dynamite. Uh, Chris Jericho versus Darby Allen for the AEW championship in the third week of TV. I think that was in Philly. And then finally, the honorable mention I have is uh, Ray Phoenix versus Nick Jackson, also again on Dynamite. Do you have any honorable mentions? Uh, I only have three. I have um, Cody versus MJF at uh, Revolution, uh, Jungle Boy versus MJF on an episode of Dynamite, and uh, Rio versus Nyla Rose 1. I thought you were going to say Double or Nothing because their Double or Nothing match, MJF and Jungle Boy, was fantastic. I have not seen that match. That's why I didn't mention it. Okay. Go back and watch it. It's, it was one of the best matches on the card. I got to go, go, go and watch that whole show. Okay. With the exception oh. of one match that I've already seen, which we'll get to. Oh, I hope it's the match I'm thinking of. Anyway, all right. So will. I'll let you go first, Nate. What's your number 10? Uh, my number 10, um, I've, I've been debating whether or not to put this on, you know, on the list because it's, you know, it wasn't the best technical match. You know, it was just kind of a fine match, but it's got a special place in my heart. It's Cody versus Wardlow. That was a good cage match, match. Dude. That was good. I forgot about that one. Yeah, hey. it's just, you know, and like I mentioned, it wasn't the most, you know, it it was a fine match. You know, it establishes Wardlow as, as a legitimate bodyguard. It establishes him as a beast because he is uh, all the all the moments of, you know, him throwing Cody into the into the. Left the cage, God, I cannot talk. Throwing Cody into the <laughs> cage and MJF on the sideline, him messing with Arn Anderson with the playbook like the head coach, and then the moonsault at the end, which made my jaw hit the floor while I was in the bathroom at my home, and it was just oh, it was beautiful. It was it was an Instagrammable moment for AEW. You're watching that match in the bathroom. I sure was not one of my prouder moments, but I I had to watch it. I had <laughs> okay, to see how it ended. Okay, how did you do that? Were you watching uh, on your phone? Oh yeah, I was watching on my phone. I I didn't have the the door open watching the TV in the other room. 
I should have done that. Eight, dad, move. I need to watch this. Oh, my God. He did a moonsault. That would have been crazy. That's what Close I should have done. Close the door, son. It smells like shit. No, shut up and watch your wrestling. <laughs> oh, my God. That, that is great. I never heard that. I never heard it someone was, watch was, live wrestling from the bathroom. I've never. Oh, even I'm sure done it's that. happening somewhere. It's happening somewhere on it. I was watching on my phone, but it, the idea of watching it on a television in the other room is way funnier, and that's the story I'm going to tell from now on. Okay. Well, I'm sure the seven people <laughs> who listen to this now know the real, real thing. Hey. I mean, dude, that that moonsault Cody did. He didn't even look. He didn't even look. He just did it. Like. Yeah. An incredible amount of trust for someone making their in-ring debut. You're right. Holy shit. That was Wardlow's in-ring debut. Wow. I mean, that was the moment where, like, I knew MJF was winning because they're going to... That's the big moment of Cody's crescendo of, like, I finally get the match with this kid, with this smug son of a bitch. That was, like, the big feel-good moment. That we got that Cody, like, okay, Cody won this match. He's going to lose to MJF Revolution. But it was a good match. It was fun. I mean, the you talk about great moments on Dynamite. Like, that's one of them. The moonsault from the top of that cage. Oh, yeah. Got, got, he got his match and got a few... Uh... I got a few trending on a uh, Twitter in the meantime. That that's where a lot of people like. That's where I should like. Oh, look at this tweet with this moonsault. Um, yeah, great moment. Love that match. To get over in wrestling these days, you got to get a gift trending on Twitter. Anyway, <laughs> so my number ten also involves Cody Rhodes, but it's Cody Rhodes versus Darby Allen at Fighter Fest. Okay, not not uh, not too familiar with this match, but enlighten me. Well, if you remember. The day we met was the day of Fighter Fest. Yes, it was. And for anybody that doesn't know, the first time I met Chris in my entire life, I was drunk like a possum. Walked into his room. I was like, dude, you watch wrestling? Do you know about Lucha Underground? He was like, oh! <laughs> yeah, then I, start, then I start mentioning Ring of Honor and AEW to you, and I'm just like, you're like... Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, and I uh, passed out on his floor while uh, this pay-per-view was going on. So that was that was our first moment of friendship right there. Well, it wasn't my room. It was my dad's, one of my dad's girlfriend's rooms. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, anyway, this, go back and watch this when you get a chance. So, to me, this was the best match in the entire card. Like I mentioned earlier, this was the match where... It got Darby Allen over. If you didn't know who Darby Allen was as a wrestling fan, you knew who he was now. The story of the match is that neither man could put the other down. Darby Allen is insane. He does that coffin drop when Cody's on on the the ring apron on the on the on the outside. His spine perfectly just hits it as Cody rolls away. And you hear the thud, and you think, this kid is insane. He just messed up his spine. Like, it was great back-and-forth storytelling. The guy, the two guys are beating the ever-living shit out of each other, and neither one could win the match. And they kept counting down, you know, it's like, oh, 15 minutes remaining, 10 minutes remaining, 5 minutes remaining, and Cody just missed beating Darby 
at like the final second. He was one second away from beating Darby Allen, and he couldn't do it. So wow. it's a match that it was the first draw in AEW's history. And that's something that you forget. Like, oh yeah, these matches could go to draws. They could be that and leave you wanting more. Because I wanted to see more after this match. Eventually we did get more. But that's the thing. This this match made a star out of Darby Allen. Like it it put him on notice. It's like, yeah, this kid you gotta pay attention to. And it was, in my opinion, the best match of that entire pay-per-view. Hell yeah. Anyway, let's go to your number nine, Nate. My number nine is Rio versus Nyla Rose on the February 12th episode of Dynamite. I felt obligated to put at least one women's match on this list. As we mentioned before, the women's division hasn't really hit a home run yet. But I felt like this match, going back and watching... A lot of the highlights from it. I wasn't big on Rio before this match. She kind of proved me wrong when I watched this live. Um, she was quick. She was convincing. And it established Nyla Rose as a beast. There was good energy from the crowd. That powerbomb at the end was hype as hell. And it uh, it it sent uh, Nyla Rose going on this less than stellar championship run, admittedly. But it was a good match. And um, I felt it deserved a place. Uh, I, my memory is a little bit hazy when it comes to the, this is when like Nyla won the title, right? Yes. Okay. I mean, I heard it was pretty good. I really don't have much, I really don't have much (laughs) to say about this match. Honestly, I I can't comment. And you know what? I, I don't blame you because you know, they're. It, it it was a solid match. Like I mentioned, I felt like I should pe- put at least one women's match. And as far back as, as far back as I can remember, I remember thinking, you know what, this is pretty solid for an episode of Dynamite. It was a it was a very good match. I'll say okay. that. Okay. All right. So um, I guess I'll go to my number nine. My number nine is another Cody Rhodes match: Cody versus Chris Jericho at Full Gear. Hmm. I have I... this at seven. Oh, they spoiled your number seven. Okay, uh, <laughs> I thought that's I thought that's what you do. Well, no, you didn't have to say it, but but it's okay. <laughs> All right, um, I won't do that anymore. But let's talk about it now that we're here. Okay, so my perspective on this match, Full Gear, was a really well done show, and you could this was the start of the MJF Cody feud, and. It was the build-up to this match that really made me enjoy it the most because Cody cutting that promo of his career, of his life. Yes. And when yes. Him, him and Shivani were in the ring together, you know, he said, saying that I'm a, a selfish, entitled, millennial prick. A selfish, but, entitled, millennial bitch. <laughs> bitch. Oh, yeah, bitch, sorry. It's been a while since I've watched back that promo. I, I remember I remember this promo like it was yesterday. I was watching it with my brother and I was like, yeah, Cody. The, the thing was is that this was one of this was like one of the biggest examples of when you don't restrict talent and if they can go and if they can cut a promo really well, let them go. And Cody Rhodes is an amazing promo. He's a great storyteller. 
I mean, the guy is tough as nails. When he, like, I think he did like a suicide dive through the ropes, and then he hit face first on that steel grating, and he's just bleeding the the rest of the time in the match. It was talk about another gifable moment of him, his face hitting the ramp. Yeah, it was beautifully well told storytelling, with the fact that you know you knew that Cody could never challenge for the AEW Championship again if he if he lost and with MJF in his corner you kind of knew it was going to happen MJ, i mean MJF leading to the mat, leading to the point where he threw in the towel for Cody and he was crying and he was sorry and then he just kicks Cody right in the dick and becoming the most hated man in all pro wrestling Jericho and Cody worked a fantastic match in this pay-per-view and in my opinion it's probably it's probably Jericho's best title defense cuz I I can't I think of a few but I I really enjoyed his title defense against Cody the best you you cut out a little bit um during during that um well what I, what I said was that I that think there, but I think Cody's title uh, match against Jericho was Jericho's best defense as as champion. Uh, his best yeah, championship I, match. I, I think that's a fair assumption because you, you think about he, he had his match against Scorpio Sky, um, which was fine. He had his match against John Moxley, which I thought was good, but I think I think I agree, yeah. Co- the match versus Cody was uh, a little bit better. And what, what I wanted to say, you know, going back to MJF and his heel turn, the bastard MJF. If you watch that match again, and you watch the moment where MJF throws in the towel, and you look to the crowd, and just you see the crowd's eyes bug up like, no! It was a very, it gave me vibes of Undertaker versus Lesnar. Of just the heartbreaking, no, I can't believe it! It, it was a really, it was a really, a really powerful moment in, in that situation, and I think it was, like you mentioned, really, really well done. Well, I can't necessarily say MJF would turn heel. He was still acting like a heel. He was only like a baby face towards Cody. But I get but I get the point, which eventually led to their match revolution. So anyway, what is your number eight? My number eight is Peck versus Orange Cassidy at AEW Revolution, the only wrestling match I've ever watched that convinced me to buy a wrestler's t-shirt. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, go more in depth with this. So, okay. Orange Cassidy, up to this point. He's a figurehead, but we don't really know. We don't really know what he is, how good he is as a wrestler. Only The only thing we have is the best friends talking him up. Orange Cassidy's going to try it. Revolution. Here we go. He starts back up. He does his thing. Puts his hands in his pockets. Pack is having none of it. Does the kicks. Oh, oh, oh. And then Pack tries to attack. I, I don't I don't remember the entire the entire sequence of events, but somehow, some way, Pack is on the mat and Orange Cassidy is standing up. And the crowd goes ballistic. And it is an amazing moment. And an amazing match with a lot of goofy bits, but also a lot of really, really good, good wrestling. 
You know, the goofiness is great, but the but the talent is there. And yes, Orange Cassidy loses at the end. He kind of had to, but it 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 legitimized him in the at at the same time while simultaneously maintaining what makes him great. And I think as a wrestler, you can't do any better than that. Well, I didn't put that the most. I didn't put that as eloquently as I wanted to, but it, there's a lot of thoughts I have on that match, and that no, kind you of know, it, puts a bow no, on it. You put a, you did explain it pretty well. Um, I will say that this is on my list, but it's, I'll get to it in a little bit. Um, so I'll just save my what I think for that for for that moment. So for now, okay. I'll get to I'll get to my number eight, and that's the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros at Double or Nothing. Oh, okay. I I got scared when you said Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros. I thought you were gonna mention another match of theirs, and I was gonna oh, be like, what? no, 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 no. We'll get to that later. We'll get to that. Yeah. Later. yeah so yeah, yeah. this this was the first time I had ever seen the Lucha Brothers tag together. At the time, they had just recently kind of started teaming together. They were the AAA tag. Uh, no, the Bucks were the AAA tag team champions at the time. And they had won the Triple A Tag Team titles from the Lucha Brothers. I remember this match being absolutely spot spot fest crazy with Pentagon Jr. hitting a Canadian destroyer on the outside of like on the on the ring apron to either Matt or Nick Jackson. Super kicks, high spots corkscrew moonsaults from Ray Phoenix. It's everything you would expect a crazy Young Bucks Lucha Brothers match to be. And it was the first time we had seen these guys wrestle. And the story of the match was is that Matt and Nick hadn't really teamed up together in a while. But the, but the Lucha Bros were teaming up consistently, regularly, every week. Matt and Nick were kind of in the process of getting AEW ready for their first show. They hadn't had like a tag team match, really, I don't think, since maybe New Japan, uh, the Wrestle Kingdom show that year. Um, I think they had a few indie matches, but they really weren't wrestling regularly like the Lucha Brothers were. The Lucha Brothers were on AAA shows. They were on indie shows. So that was the story of the match. Like, yes, Matt and Nick have the more experience as a tag team, but the, the Lucha Brothers have been doing it more consistently. And that was the, the whole story. Uh, eventually, the Young Bucks getting the win and retaining the AAA Tag Team titles, but it was just only a little bit of what we want. We wanted to see more from these two teams, um, and we got more later on. But we will get to that later on. So, so why don't you talk about your number seven that you already mentioned? My number seven is Cody versus Jericho, as I mentioned before. Okay. Do you have anything else to add from earlier when we talked about Jericho versus Cody? Um, no, not really, man. I think, I think you said everything that I wasn't able to say really good match on a, on a really good card wrapped up that Cody and Jericho storyline. Fine. And turned MJF heel, which is brilliant. And that's a, that about sums it up. All right, then, then I'll just get to my number seven, which we talked about this one again, but it's at seven for me, it's pack versus orange Cassidy at revolution. This really? was the personification, like I said, of just how much of a genius Orange Cassidy is. He doesn't have to do a damn thing to
to get over. The crowd just loves him. And when you have someone who is so super comedy and not serious, putting him in the ring against a guy like Pac, who is super serious pro wrestler, it's comedy and pro wrestling gold. The whole time, Pac is just trying to get one over. Not trying to get one over, but he's just beating the shit out of Orange Cassidy. At w- I, th- I remember there was one, sp- one particular spot where Orange Cassidy, just, he's just rolling over to the other side of the ring, and then there's Pac staring at him on the outside, and he's just like laughing. But when Orange, Ca- <laughs> yeah. when Orange Cassidy started doing his comeback, and when he started getting his offense in, the crowd was behind him, and you were convinced Orange Cassidy's going to win. He's going to win here. Unfortunately, he didn't. But that's what was the genius we talked about earlier, is that the guy doesn't have to do anything, and he's already over. He doesn't have to do a damn Absol- thing. Absolutely, man. And what's, and what's brilliant about this is, like, you know, we mentioned before, like, you know, the, the person who loses to Orange Cassidy kind of looks a little silly and pack looked a little silly but like i wasn't convinced that he wasn't any less of a badass afterwards you know either orange cassidy was still orange cassidy and pack was still a badass and it, it just goes to show how how far and how good orange cassidy can be as a performer and as a wrestler and that that match made him it was really really well done i couldn't agree more i couldn't agree more let's move on to number six what's your number six speaking of pack I have Pack versus Omega, 30-man Iron Man match. Holy shit. That's, so that's, my number, t- that's my number six, too. Yes! We're high-fiving through Discord, guys. You can't see it. There you go. Um, but you're going to be... I'm going to be what? I will. But you're going to be able to put this into better words than I will be able to. But okay. a physical, visceral, hard-hitting match between two men... Who know what they're doing and clearly hate each other. Bots galore. Almost no mistakes, technically wise. A good story was being told. The lead up between this, all the crazy, I'm a crazy, I'm a crazy man. Kenny Omega leading up to this match, which by the way was on an episode of Dynamite. This is the highest rated Dynamite match I have on the list. I don't know about you. Um, yeah, I will say that because I do believe this is the best match that Dynamite has ever had on free television. That is a pay-per-view main event quality match that could easily be for the world title on a pay-per-view in an Iron Man match as well. It was the first 30 minutes of Dynamite, the go-home show before Revolution. I could not believe that they gave us this match before, like one of their biggest pay per views of the year, I don't re- I don't even remember anything else on that card on, on I, that episode I, of Dynamite, I, I but I remember I that match, and that's what's most <laughs> important. It's one of the best matches I've ever seen on free television. That's just again pay per view quality match, and we got it on free TV. Man, it was the blow off of a huge build of, of a huge feud between Omega and and Pack. Like, I remember Pac had gotten the win over Omega at All Out when pa- Omega was too focused on John Moxley. And over time, I think, I, think Omega, I think Omega may have gotten a victory over Pac. I'm not sure. But they wanted a, but Pac wanted his rematch. He wanted a rubber match. And he wanted to prove he was the better man. And the fact that, th- that Kenny Omega worked this match before a pay-per-view is insane. And it just goes to show how damn good he is. 
and you look at some of the spots he takes like there was the the one situation where he does where pack like does this uh suplex from the ring apron onto the ground and you're like oh my god this is halfway through a 30 minute iron man match that they work to a draw oh my lord when they went to over and they went to overtime too they also, went to overtime also one of the best spots of the match as well pack doing a moonsault onto kenny omega through a table Ugh. the height he got before landing on Kenny, holy crap! I could, I could. Th- this is just one long list of spots, and I can't really describe it of anything. I can't describe it better than they just beat the crap out of each other for thirty minutes, and there were so many moments I can't even list them down. You listen a moment, I listen a moment. Just go watch this match if you're listening to this and haven't already somehow. Yes, please go watch this match. It's the best free match you'll ever watch ever. Seriously, absolutely, one hundred percent. Actually, all these matches are probably free because they're probably on YouTube right now. Anyway, it was the best YouTube wrestling match or, or Daily Motion. It was the best wrestling match that I never had to pay a cent for. There you go. Meaning network subscription or pay per views, whatever. It was the best one that best free match I ever saw. Anyway, so uh, let's move on to number five. Let's go with you. Number five. What do you got? Number five, Stadium Stampede. Ooh, I have that a little higher, but go ahead. No, oh well, that's fine. I I get it. I get it. It was the the reason it wasn't a little bit higher for me is because yes, it was heavily edited. It was a little. It was a little doofy. It was a little silly. But the amount of moments in this match absolutely makes it a contender for it, it's top five on my list. The 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 this each moment of this match had its own little mini match in it. You had the situation with Adam on the horse looking for Guevara, and then they meet. There's Matt Hardy in the with him transforming into the different versions of himself, getting dipped in by Santana and Ortiz. That was amazing. Omega getting thrown through the table. There, <laughs> the one winged. The one-winged angel off of that, I don't even know what you call that. The concourse onto the entrance tunnel was, I had my hands over my face thinking to myself, how, A, how did they get permission to do this? And B, Sammy Guevara is an insane person. Because if you look at the matches, the stadium matches they had before of him getting run over by a golf cart. That man will do anything, put his body on the line for the sake of entertainment, all combined into just one big, beautiful mess of a match. Because that's what this was. This was a mess of a match, and I loved it. I will get more into what I think about the stadium stampede when I talk about it, when it comes up for me. But my number five is Kenny Omega versus John... Moxley, horrible, horrible Justin Roberts impression. Moxley versus Omega <laughs> at full gear, an unsanctioned match. This can you explain to me? Can you explain what? to me the difference between an unsanctioned match and like uh, a no rules match, a street fight? Because that's the only thing I was a little confused about here. There is no difference. There's absolutely no difference. I don't know why AEW was kind of like you know strict on like oh if it's unsanctioned we're not we can't promote the match so it's going to go on last technically it's not part of the, it is part of the show it is part of the show and that's one thing about AEW that I don't like in which they haven't done in a while so 
Just make it no DQ matches, hardcore matches, whatever you want to do. But all right, great. But this was the best match in this entire on this entire card of Full Gear, and it was disturbing for me to watch at times. Sometimes a little bit, I could watch through the whole thing. I remember watching this at a friend of mine's uh, for his birthday, my buddy uh, Chris Reyes, former guest of the podcast. Um, we were watching this at a friend of his uh, house, apartment, or whatever, and we watched it on his laptop at his table. And I believe the guy whose apartment it was, uh, I think, like, like his girlfriend or whatever, she was watching with him. No one really liked wrestling beside me and my buddy, my buddy Chris Reyes. And there are certain points in the match, I think, when Moxley threw Omega onto the shards of glass, she turned away. Like, <laughs> like Omega's back all bloody, you know. Him taking the the ice pick to Mox uh, Omega taking the ice pick to Moxley's head, you know the barbed wire broom, the barbed wire bat, like Moxley and Omega hitting the sh- hitting each other with those weapons, like this was as close to a high budget CZW match you could ever get. And fun fact, they got fined for this match. The company. Really? What? For, yeah. By who? I don't necessarily remember who fined them, but I remember reading that they did get fined for this match, the AEW. Um, I mean, can you blame them? There was a lot here. <laughs> it was a, it was brutal. It was bloody. It was just insane. And I think it's better than what I expected their match that was supposed to happen at All Out. So in a way, it's better that that match didn't happen at All Out and it happened here. I mean, Omega just being so obsessed with wanting to beat Moxley. The story of it being that Omega's like, he's just another WWE reject guy coming to our company, and he can't hang and he can't hang with somebody like me. And John Moxley's saying, like, you know, I I know who you are, Kenny Omega. You claim to be the best bout machine. I want to see how damn good you really are, because I can hang with the best of them. And my favorite spot why was definitely. When it, it was definitely when they did the, I think it was like a suplex onto the barbed wire bed. Brutal, so so friggin' brutal, but so damn good. If you are, if you are more squeamish, I do not recommend you watch it. But if you really want to see, like one of the best death matches you could ever watch in modern pro wrestling, it's this one. Absolutely insane. And it's a match that I didn't think Kenny Omega... Not that I didn't think, but I wasn't sure how Kenny Omega was going to adapt to because we see Kenny Omega have these wrestling classics against, like we talked about Pac before. We talked, like, uh, with with, or- with Kazuchika Okada in his history with New Japan. You know, matches like that. We never really see Omega in a hardcore element, so it was great to see him be go outside the box there. Um, that was my number five. So what's your number four? My number four is... Kenny Omega versus John Moxley at full gear. <laughs> All right, you know what's funny is that I had this at my five. You had Stadium Stampede at five. Stadium Stampede's my number four. So is your number spoil- four? So we have them. So yeah. we have them switched. We have them switched. So go ahead, talk talk about Moxley and Omega. Fair enough. Um, first thing I want to mention is I watched this with my little brother. Not the best move. How old's your little brother? My little brother is thirteen. He can handle it. But okay. it still was probably like, maybe I shouldn't let him watch this. 
I I did not have the the pleasure of watching old school ECW matches when I was younger. I imagine this match is a little bit of what it looked like. ECW, I didn't get to watch a whole lot either when I was younger, but this is like even more brutal than that. Like if CZW is a company that is similar to ECW, but it's crazier if if that's even possible. And Moxley was a huge staple for CZW. Like there's a match where there's a death match he had where he's getting like a buzzsaw cut into his forehead. I'm not even joking. I don't want that. I don't even want that. So, uh, but yeah, this this is one of the most convincing. I'll call it blood matches. You know, you get a lot of blood in AEW. I get it, but this mm-hmm. is the first time I was like, oh, that's blood. That is blood. <laughs> this that it. This that it, this is also blood. Yeah. Th- this this was half wrestling match, half game of what are they going to pull out next? Oh, here is a bat with some barbed wire around it okay that's cool okay what's next uh john moxley's pulling out a uh a what is that a door that's a what is on the oh my god those are mouse traps and he's gonna put that in the and just dump oh my god i when, forgot when about the mouse kenny traps. omega kenny omega falls arm face first onto this mat of mouse traps and everyone in the crowd is going oh my god it's like it's 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 a it's a train wreck. It's awful. It's brutal. But you, there is no way you're going to look away from this. There is no. no way. And also, I never thought I would ever hear or say the words barbed wire spider web in my life. But here we are. John Moxley, Suplex and Kenny Omega through. Which, by the way, that that is nobody wins in that scenario. A no. suplex through a barbed wire spider web. You're getting just as much damage as the other guy is in that situation. And then the other guys had to pull him out, and John Mox is getting barbed wire stuck in the back. Like, and a lot of people forget this. Right after it, Kenny Omega hits a V trigger right through this little plate of glass that was clearly meant for that spot. You know, like, no one believes that there was just a plane of glass that was just happened to be there. And then, and then at the end, the spot on the wood where Kenny Omega goes for this flying, I forget what it's called, but he just lands face first, just like on this plywood. It's, uh, it was so beautifully violent. Like a, like an, like an episode of, I don't know. What's a, what's a good comparison? What's something that's very, very violent, like an episode of robot chicken. That's a hor- <laughs> that's a horrible comparison, but that's the first thing I think about when I think of gratuitous blood is robot chicken. Yeah, I think about that or South Park. Yeah, that's better. That's better. But yeah, I forgot about the mouse traps. That's a brutal spot. Anyway, I will get into in depth with my number four with the Stadium Stampede. After I watched Double or Nothing, I said that the Stadium Stampede was the greatest, funniest, most innovative match I've ever seen in my entire life. I recently listened to Jericho's podcast where everyone in the inner circle got on and they talked about a little bit of how the inner circle came to be uh, and they went in depth with the stadium stampede match. Uh, Like we talked about earlier, Sammy Guevara was the MVP of that match. The guy's insane. Like I love the, I love the spot where he's the only one there and he's like, yeah, we won. 
yeah, we did it in a circle. And then he gets hit with the sprinklers. And then the selling he's doing with Walt Wall getting hit by the sprinklers. Um, Hangman Page chasing him on a horse. Hangman going to the bar. Hager that looking was, for That was so brilliant. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But that okay. was so unbelievably brilliant of him going into the bar and then Jake Hager meeting him. And then... <laughs> Somehow a ref gets there. It's just like how the ref get. How did they know they were? It's just so silly. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I it's just okay. had to mention that. No, it's okay. It's okay. I love the. Again, you're on here for a reason to talk to talk about wrestling. And well, also, what also great is that Hangman's there drinking whiskey. Hager sits right next to him. It's like it's like a, like a western film or like something out of like Red Dead Red Dead Redemption. You know, it's like Hangman's just like you come here to drink. You come here to fight. Hangman drinks his whiskey. Hager drinks his whiskey. They put the glasses down, look at each other, and then they start brawling. Like just little subtle things like that. It's like that's that's awesome. Good like you know character moments. And then here comes Kenny Omega hitting V triggers like crazy. Uh, I think they did hit a buck buckshot V trigger at one point on Hager. You know breaking the friggin' pool table. Then I think uh, again Hangman may have hit a buckshot lariat to. Hager, and he lands in the bar. Then you see Hangman pour <laughs> Kenny some milk. Omega pour Hangman some whiskey. They both drink. They cheers, and then they're back to fighting. Uh, again, we ta- you talked about earlier with Matt Hardy drowning in the water, and I love that Ortiz's like, yo, I can't swim, man. I can't swim. And Santana's like, just get in the water, fool. Just get in the water. I can't <laughs> swim, man. And they're drowning. Get in here, but they'll get in here, but they'll maybe left. Oh, I I just remembered that was Kenny Omega in the pool first, not Matt Hardy. That was Omega oh first. Oh my god, you're right. You're right. And, and it was edited, and then Matt Hardy's in there. Next thing you see, like you, that's when you start seeing the different personalities of Matt Hardy. You see V1 Matt Hardy, the Matt Facts. What sold me on that is that Santana and Ortiz could see the Matt Facts on the screen. <laughs> And they keep, at the, what is this? And they keep changing the characters like Broken Matt Hardy and then uh not Pentagon. Why did I say Pentagon? Uh uh Excalibur goes like, I think that's water from the Lake of Reincarnation. I'm like, brilliant. And then you see Matt Hardy just like hitting up the Hardy Boys symbol underneath the water in the camera. I'm like, this is just comedy gold, man. I mean, Matt Jackson hit the Northern Light suplexes on Sammy Guevara. Nick Jackson running and doing that uh, crossbody slam onto Jericho. Uh, one of my favorite things, and it wasn't even like a huge spot or anything, but I loved the part where Nick Jackson kicks out at two and Jericho throws a challenge uh, challenge flag to Arby Edwards. Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. That was one of my favorite moments. They went that, under the hood. That was the funniest spot in the entire match. He's like, all right, let's review it. And Jericho's trying to go into the booth. She's like, you can't be in here. Coaches aren't allowed. Yes, I am. I can look at it. It was three. It was three. I can. And like, they're arguing the whole time. The replay is showing. Arby comes back out. She's like, call stands. And Jericho just looks, looks her straight in the eye. goes, you're a shitty referee. Oh, my God. Um, and then Matt Jackson, I think he did like a moonsault off the goalpost. So just the match in general was Absolutely fantastic. I mean, the final spot, like you talked about, Sammy Guevara taking that one-winged angel, one-winged angel, from from the top of that ramp all the way to the the whatever the hell that setting was. 
it was incredible. It was beautifully well done. It was the most 2020 of a wrestling match we could ever get. And I love that people like Jim Cornette hate it because he's just because people like him really are bitter and they can't get behind the times. They can't get behind what's going on in wrestling now with the things that are actually good and entertaining. Anything that's good and entertaining, he just can't stand it. But we don't need more people like Jim Cornette in this world. Nate, what's your number three? Nate? Hello. Hello. Welcome to the other end of the cut. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We have so much editing to do with this freaking thing. I'm so Eddie. sorry. Dude, next time I'll just drive to your house and we'll just do it live. We'll do it live. Oh, I have to work that out. Anyway, so. I'm sorry. It's it's totally my fault. <laughs> it's all right, dude. It's all right. Some of this stuff I may keep in there. But anyway, I'm going to have a lot of editing to do when this is all said and done. Anyway, here we go. So. What is your number three? Okay, quickly, speed round. Number three, Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros at All Out. That's my number three, too, so let's both talk about this. Okay. Uh, very similarly to the Omega Pack match, a lot of really good spots. The coordination and the chemistry between these two teams, it's like, it's impossible how good it is. These, Listen, Go ahead. Raise your point. The, the, these two teams, which are separated by a, a a brain barrier just like yeah, how how do i know what you're going to do it's like they read each other's minds and a language barrier at some point the the way the young books are able to communicate through wrestling it's like it's like inventing another language the amount of spots with the two guys talking to each other up on opposing ladders going through each other on the tables below the 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 spots with the the cutter where he phoenix goes around and and slams down one of the bucks onto the mat uh one of the one of the lucha brothers pushing over uh i believe it was matt onto the set of tables right near the end it, it was just very very solid one thing i don't get how anybody's going to top a spot in a ladder match is how the hell do you top a canadian destroyer onto a table from a ladder how <laughs> That's the most look. I grew up watching like the T some of the first TLC matches as a kid. TLC two is I think one of the craziest ladder match esque TL whatever matches I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life, and this match may have beaten it. Yeah, like, it's up there, man. It's been a while since I've actually seen TLC two. I mean, everybody knows the moment where you know uh, Edge spears Jeff Hardy. Off of the twenty foot ladder, my God, he's broken in half. You know, everybody knows that moment. <laughs> I I would put any of the spots from any of the good spots from Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros up against that one. I honestly would. Like the crazy spots they did, just top it. Like, and then the Lucha Bros had their ta their their tag finisher on. I don't know if it was Matt or Nick on the ladder on the outside that was that was set up between the the ring apron and the, oh, the barricade. God, yeah, he did. And then Nick, like almost dying. Like I think, like he was, like he was supposed to go through like two or three tables, and he only hit like one or two of them. It yeah, just he did. Nasty. <laughs> he hit his foot on the rope, and he just tripped and hit his head on the other one, and the rest of him went through the 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 first table. I was like, oh dear lord. Sean, Sean and I went to Ring of Honor Final Battle, their last show for Ring of Honor, and he did a similar spot when they were in a Ladder Wars match against the Briscoes and SCU, and we were, like, in the front row, and we thought he was dead. 
Nick Jackson. Is. <laughs> He's in, he's insane. Like he'll do anything. The but like there's nothing these two teams won't do. So you knew these guys. You you were in for a a crazy fun spot fest with these two tag teams. Eventually, in the end, the Lucha Bros were the ones who picked up the tag titles. Also, the debut of Santana and Ortiz, and it's one of the greatest tag matches in AEW's history. But uh, oh yeah. Let's, but what's what's your number two? I want to see if we have this. If if we have uh, these, the top three synced. My number two is Cody versus Dustin. Oh my god, that's my number two. Then our number one is definitely synced. Okay. Yes, it absolutely is. Okay, up until the number one, I thought this was AEW's best match in its in its history. This is it, a, a different. Oh, let's go ahead. No, it's just this is. You were probably going to say this more eloquently than I did, but this is this is one of the matches I synonymize with professional wrestling. This is a match that I think about wrestling. I think about this pat. I think about this match. When you when you look at the storytelling, the spots, the history, the moments, the mic work at the end, the moment of them hugging. This it this is wrestling right here on the screen. Dustin, the old man Dustin, the old man Gold Dust. You don't know if he still has it. Cody in some great heel work, by the way, doesn't believe his brother still has it. And Dustin comes out and he just kicks ass, man. He bleeds immediately. Bleeds immediately and the entire rest of the match he's just covered in a sea of of just red just gushing. He's if you look at one point near the end of the match, he is literally dripping blood like a Brita filter. And it is just gory and brutal in the most possible way. And each time one guy kicks out of the other, this guy kicks out. The crowd increasingly gets into it. And by the uh, near the end of the match, they're both on the ground and the crowd is just loving it, going wild. This match right here is why you watch professional wrestling. For this type of action, for this type of storytelling, for this type of emotional resonance, I think Cody versus Dustin is one of, I'll, I'll put it top three for me, best wrestling matches I've ever seen in terms of overall just pure wrestling. I've said the word wrestling a lot in the past five minutes, but that's that's really how I feel about it. Like This is a wrestling match at its purest. This is this is a template. This is a benchmark right here. This match. You had a bad promo yourself, there, kid. Very well said. Uh, <laughs> it's, I, isn't it great how good I can talk when you can hear me and Discord doesn't decide to stop? Yes. <laughs> anyway, I I feel pretty much the same on this match with you. It was it was a match that I was looking forward to the most as far as the build and the storytelling. And that's something that Cody does so well is his storytelling, building to a match, uh, b- uh, the mat- the match itself in ring with the storytelling. Like you said, it's is it's the older wrestler, the older brother against the young, younger brother who wants to put his older brother down because he thinks he can't hack it. But you know the old dog still has still has some fight in him, and he wants to prove that he can still hang. And for my money, it's the best match either one of these guys have ever had. It's the match that we that we as we as fans wanted to see it a build towards a WrestleMania and we just didn't get it. I mean, Dustin bleeding like a stuffed pig to quote JR, 
I mean, half his face was painted red, and you didn't know at one point when he was bleeding what was what was what was red face paint and what was blood. That's how bad it was. I mean, how how bad the the image of it was as far as the blood and everything. Not, not the match, of course. I mean, Cody and Dustin are just drenched in Dustin's blood. It's Cody. What does he have to do to put his older brother down? What does he have to do to make him stop? And the emotion of the crowd, the emotion of Cody and Dustin. I mean, it was it was a match that really made me feel something. And when I can get emotionally invested in a match like that, and it can make me feel like I just watched something really special on this company's debut show, the first show ever, and it already was like one of the greatest, if arguably the greatest match in its in its history. And I can go back go back and watch that match and still feel the same way. It was just beautifully well done. And the moment at the end when, you know, Cody gets a promise says you don't get to do it here at Fighter Fest. I'm I'm one I'm having a match against the Young Bucks and I and he said, now I don't need a tag tag team partner. I don't need a friend. I need, and he's choking up, I need my older brother. And they hug and the crowd goes nuts. And maybe some people may not be into that, but that's fine. For me, it was the emotion and the storytelling of this match that made it so damn good. And I hope that anybody who doubts Cody Rhodes as how good of a wrestler he is would watch this and just be like, damn, Cody's so good. And one thing people take for granted is, you know, it's such a good match on its own. But you think of the context that this match is in. Cody Rhodes and his new company are trying to prove themselves in a land monopolized by WWE. And this is their spot. This is their first opportunity to prove themselves. If this is a flop, the future of AEW is uncertain. We don't know where it's going to go. And Cody and Dustin, along with the along with the rest of the show, which was solid, put on just a classic that people are going to remember for a long time and this is this is the spot where a lot of the doubters said you know what AEW is going to be alright they're going to be good and just all the history of the Rhodes family colliding at this moment in time for this situation it it's just it's beautiful that's the only way I can describe it is it's beautiful it was it was a beautiful match and it's the first match that either man has ever gotten from a five-star rating from Dave Meltzer. Wow. So that, I didn't know so that. that. So that's something. Anyway, let's get to our number one. And I think there's only one more match that has to be. I'll let you and, say it. And it is the greatest match in AEW's history. It is one of, if not maybe the best tag team match I've seen in years. It's Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page versus the Young Bucks at Revolution. You want to take a guess how many times I've seen this match since it aired? <laughs> well, considering it's kind of hard to find on the internet, it's kind of up, up and down from YouTube from time to time. But uh, I'll guess, I'll guess five. I've seen it like ten times. Oh my I watched, god! I've I seen watched, it. I've, I've seen it one more time. I've seen it one more time since I've, since I watched it. I've watched it a lot in my time off from work this this match right here 
for me as a fan of watching these guys since their Ring of Honor New Japan days and the days of being the elite, it ties so many stories. The stories of Hangman Page trying to leave the elite and the tension between him and Matt Jackson. The, the story goes in of just, you know, they're all friends and the, the, the promo segment they have with JR, the tape segment, you know, Matt and Nick saying, you know, you were a jobber in Ring of Honor and we put you in the Bullet Club and look at you, now you're a star. And what's gotten into you? Like what's gotten into and hey man, what's gotten into me is that this is the greatest accomplishment in my entire career. And I'm not gonna look at you guys just come here and say that you're the better tag team, you're the best tag team. When I'm gonna hang on to this as long as I can. And Kenny Omega, unfortunately, is put in the middle because he's stuck between his two best friends, Matt and Nick, and his tag team partner, another one of his best friends, Hangman Adam Page. It showed how far can you go hurting your friends. And this match showed that. It showed elements of going back to, again, like I said, being the elite days. There was a nice little homage to Marty Skrull when Hangman Adam Page did the uh, the pumps fake super kick doing into the chicken wing. There was the the golden trigger from Matt and Nick Jackson and Kenny kicking out at one. I have said before that I'm not a big fan of wrestlers kicking out of one at a move, but. I, I legit popped and lost my mind when I saw that. I mean... <sighs> you couldn't have asked for a better crowd in, with Chicago. You couldn't have asked for a better night. And... Again, it's like the best tag team match I've seen in years. I want you to talk about this more uh, a little bit, Nate. Get your thoughts in. Uh, well, you know, you, you talked a, a lot about, you know, this, the situation, the context going in about, you know, their time in Japan and Ang- Hangman Page just trying to leave, you know, the, the elite and, and strive in his own journey. Everything that we've talked about up to this point on, on this list, the Young Bucks ability to, to communicate a tag match, Kenny Omega's individual, you know, prowess, Hangman Page's individual individual prowess, the, the situation, the moment, the spots, that melts that Meltzer driver, Metzger driver, sorry, onto the no, ring. You're right, Mel- Meltzer driver, Meltzer. Meltzer driver. Is, they, named, they named it after Dave Meltzer. Oh, I didn't know that, actually. Whatever the yes. case, brilliant. The, the Hangman, uh, not Hangman, Omega kicking out of the golden trigger at one, I I was watching that with my dad and my uncle, who wasn't into wrestling at the time. And uh, my dad's girlfriend. At the beginning of this match, they, it was just me and my dad were hyped, like, okay, this is a good match. And my uncle's skeptical. And Maria, my dad's girlfriend, Maria, is in the other room, not even paying attention. By the end of this match, we were all huddled up three feet from the television going, come on! God, when he kicked out at one of that golden trigger, I was like in the process of explaining to my dad like what the golden trigger was. It's like, oh my God, that was Kenny Omega's thing in in, in, uh, in uh, Japan, Japan. And with with him and, and him and Kota Ibushi. That that was I, like I don't mean to cut you off, but that was a great like slap in your face moment because that was their thing. And anyone who knows the history of Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi, they're best friends. They're like brothers, and they use that as their finishing move as a tag team. And that's just like a sign of like a big slap in the face to to Kenny from the Bucks. And just the the entire process of young Bucks going from like f- reluctant friends to just straight up heels at one point and then finally getting the due at the end. It was everything we've talked about up to this point, the story, 
the spots. I know I've said this before, but just th- this is what I point to. It's this and Cody versus Dustin. I was like, you want to get into AEW? Watch Young Bucks versus Hangman, pa- Hangman, Adam Page, and Kenny Omega. If you like that, watch Cody versus Dustin, and you'll be in. Th- this is. I mean, you put you put it into the best words. This is the best tag team match I've seen. This is the best tag team match I've seen. I'll say that. I think that's fair. With the with the small amount of wrestling I watched during the ruthless aggression of WWE up till now, with the small traces I've seen of WWE and a lot of AEW matches, I have never been more enthralled, emotionally invested, and absolutely thrilled and excited by four men beating the crap out of each other than I was at this moment. It, it's everything you want in a wrestling match that you that you just put on brilliantly and like you said a perfect crowd in a perfect setting and i I can't say any more than that just just go watch it if you haven't it is i'll probably agree with you that it's probably the best tag team match not only that i've seen in a long time but probably the best one i've seen ever it's it's just incredible it's what tag team wrestling can be today it's what a company that strives so much for tag team wrestling to be good. And I'm so happy that AEW is around. And I'm so happy that the Elite did, didn't just go to WWE. Because we wouldn't have gotten this match. We wouldn't have this company. We wouldn't have this stacked roster of talent. And we wouldn't be talking about this now. I mean, again, I would agree with you when I say that I would show the Bucks and Hangman, the Bucks versus Hangman and Omega to them if they wanted to get into wrestling. In fact, a friend of mine who used to watch wrestling, he messaged me a few months ago and said, hey, I kind of want to get back into wrestling. What are some really good AEW matches to watch? And the first match I sent him was Omega and Page versus the Bucks. I sent him a whole shit ton of stuff, but Omega and Page was the first one. I said, watch this one first before anything else. And that's... and. I love that you told me that your uncle couldn't give two shits about the match at the beginning and your dad's girlfriend didn't care at all, but by towards the end of the match, you guys were all huddled over being like, what's going to happen? That That's amazing for me to hear. As a, as a hardcore fan, for two people who really couldn't care about wrestling, they were invested in this match. Oh, yeah. It, it was a fun moment. It was a fun, like, there was, there was one moment where, like, one of the, one of the guys kicked out of something. We all thought the match was over. Like, oh, my God. And you hear Maria from the other room going, oh, God. I was like, where did you come from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, I, it's, I it's lo- the power of professional wrestling, man. I lost it when they kicked out, when Matt kicked out of the buckshot V trigger. I'm like, how? How did he kick out of that? Hangman trying to hit a, uh, one winged angel on Nick and Matt pricking up the pinfall, but eventually it was that that buckshot lariat that did the final blow. And the one final piece of storytelling that I loved in this match during the match was Matt hitting the Northern Light suplexes on Hangman, and he was hesitant of hitting the last one. Hangman hits the fi- the final blow of the buckshot lariat. They win, still the tag team champions, and they're all kind of celebrating. And Hangman is hesitant. Then you see Kenny Omega in the ring and Hangman kind of leans back on the ropes and you think he's going to turn heel. But he doesn't. He raises the ropes for Hangman 
And they come in, they put arm in arm, and commentary acknowledges that. He's like, well, Tony Schiavone's like, well, I, I guess I thought I saw something. And even Excalibur's like, I, I'm pretty sure we all saw that, Tony. But just tag team wrestling at its finest. Absolutely. Anyway, can you hear me? Had, I can hear you just fine. Let's end on a high note before we lose any other uh, situations we have, technical di- difficulties. Anyway, this was a long one. Thank you if you've made it this far. Uh, Nate, thank you so much. I have some editing to do with this episode, my friend. Uh, don't don't blame I wanna, yourself. I want to... I want to apologize to you. I want to apologize to the fans. I don't know you, what's going on here. You don't need to apologize. It's all right, pal. pal. I need to do more editing with this podcast anyway. So thank you so much for coming on. Um, I hope that uh, I know that you and I uh, hope you know that our AEW show has been postponed to February. Yes. Yes, I okay. did hear about that. I did see that. Okay. So February 24th, I believe. That's when we're going to go to Dynamite, hopefully. Let's hope and pray that all this stuff is handled better and we can all be healthy and a vaccine and all that. But, uh, but during this time we have pro wrestling to watch. Uh, thank you again, Nate, for coming on. Do you have any final words to say? Uh, uh, let's, I don't like discord very much. Okay. <laughs> don't like discord. I'm slowly... I like wrestling and I don't like discord. That's about it. Yeah, I'm slowly starting to lose interest in recording podcasts with Discord. So anyway, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. It's a long one. So if you had a long drive to work or whatever, or you needed some time in the gym, pass this along to your friends. Please sure to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Podbean, wherever you can listen to your fine podcast formats, Anchor.fm as well. If you go on our website on Anchor.fm.com, type in the Not Another Wrestling Podcast, and it'll show you the full list of available platforms that we are on. Also follow us on Twitter at TNAWP. Like us on Insta- uh, on Facebook at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. So for my good buddy Nate and for myself, CJ Palmasano, we'll see you all next time.